So, uh, Caitlin, you're you're looking at vaccine rollouts internationally. Yes, that's exactly what I did. So we've already done an episode on vaccines where we talked about the different types of vaccines that were kind of coming out. And exciting because since we've done that episode, now the vaccines are out and ready to go. They've yeah. been out. For, out right into my arm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They've been out for a while. So I kind of took a look at a couple different countries to see where they were out, where sorry, where they were with their vaccine rollout. Um, And I was really interested to learn like why some countries seem to be really successful with their vaccine rollout and other countries are being heavily criticized for their vaccine rollout. Hmm. So I know you were just telling me the other day that Canada was heavily criticized. Yeah, on the BBC, they were ripping on us for basically fumbling the rollout. So yeah. Yep, that's us. And I was like, how did we fumble the rollout, but other people are doing a fantastic job? Like, what mm-hmm. does that even mean? Yeah, I've been hearing the um, the two-dose summer versus the one-dose summer. It's like, what does it yes. mean? You only get one dose? Can you go outside even? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what percentage am I? It's all right. whatever. Everyone says something different. But okay, so yeah, I took a look at a couple different countries to kind of figure out what happened and why it was such a big difference from country to country. So... Um, like you said, Canada, we're kind of having like a one dose summer as of right now. We are hopefully going to get most people their first dose and probably the second dose isn't going to come around until the fall. So we are currently on track for having majority of people fully vaccinated for mid 2022. Does still seem like a kind of a ways away. It does. That is like uh, on the later end. So they never want to tell you something and then not have it done at that date. So, you know, we're hoping that's more like beginning of 2022. But right now we are set for end or mid mm-hmm. Giving us the conservative estimate. That's exactly right. So uh, just for compa- just for comparison, so Canada has 45% of its population has been given at least one dose of a vaccine, but only 3.8% has two doses. And that's a really interesting gap because I'll tell you about a couple other countries, but that is the biggest gap between people who have one dose or people who have two dose. So it kind of tells you that the Canadian government decided it was more important to give everyone one dose and then we'll deal with the second dose Mm. a little bit later. But not every country dealt with it that way. Yeah, I heard I heard some people even just criticizing that being like, well, let's get um, the high risk population double dose before we worry about the 12 to 17 year olds. Yes, right? so, that's yeah. exactly right. So we have obviously, obviously our government has decided it's more important for them to give everyone one dose. So we're sitting at about 45% for one dose. Like I said, 3.8 for two doses. And that's a really large gap. Um, so the U.S. is sitting about at 48% of its population has at least one dose and 37% has two doses. Now, mm. uh, obviously, this is also interesting to compare because their population is extremely, is way larger <laughs> than ours. Yeah, pretty um, substantial for sure. Yeah, their population is way larger than ours. So it's an interesting comparison because 48% for them is obviously a lot more than our 45%. 
Um, all of the EU countries are sitting at about 30% having one dose and 15% having two doses. So Italy is at 32 for the first dose and 14% for the second dose. France is at 30 for the first dose and 14% for the second dose. And Belgium's at 34% for the first dose and 12% for the second dose. So they're all similar and there's a good reason for that, and that's because the EU is kind of operating as one as far as these vaccine rollouts go, so they're all sitting in a similar place. Now, the country everyone has been talking about is Israel. Israel is sitting at about 60% of its population has one dose of the vaccine, and 56% of the population has two doses of the vaccine. So really interesting because you can see there's like like only a 4% difference between one and the first dose and the second dose in that country compared to Canada, who almost has a 40% difference. So they've obviously chosen to do it in a bit of a different way. They've been prioritizing that second dose a little bit more than us. So Israel's kind of been the star of the show. Everyone's been talking about them. They were one of the first. They had such a system and they had so many of its citizens vaccinated right away. And they were kind of the example going forward. So I'm going to talk a lot about them just to see. What, uh, what's the population it. in Israel? The population of Israel is about 8.7 million. And, and the percent, percentage again, sorry? They have 60% has one dose, 56 has two. Okay. All right. Star of the show. Star of yeah, the show. Yeah, they are the star of the show. So there was two factors that kind of determined how um, a country was going to be successful or not successful with their vaccine rollout. The first one was actually getting their hands on the vaccine, depending how a country went about purchasing the vaccine made a difference. Um, and the second one was uh, actually distributing the vaccine. Um, so I'm going to talk mostly about that first way, how different countries actually got the vaccine. But I'll talk a little bit about step two, which is how they actually gave it to its peoples. So at the beginning of this pandemic, obviously, people were talking right away about the vaccine and everyone was working together to find a vaccine. But no one knew who was going to be successful and which company was going to come out with the first vaccine. So there was a lot of unknown. And I remember like way back in March of 2020, which seems like forever ago, but I remember listening to podcasts about what Canada was buying and what the U.S. Right. was buying. But there was no vaccines to buy. They were just buying potential vaccines, mm -hmm. placing their bets on different companies. So part of this was a betting game. If you bet with Pfizer or Moderna or AstraZeneca, you won. If you bet with maybe even Johnson & Johnson, okay, you might win. But as of right now, you're a little bit behind, right? So they didn't, they had to play this gambling. So some countries won the game because they gambled correctly and others didn't. Um, so what Canada did is Canada actually had signed deals with seven vaccine suppliers. So we know now that there's three vaccines that are approved, Johnson & Johnson, is probably going to be the fourth, but we had seven total vaccine suppliers. So those other three have yet to come out with a vaccine. Um, and Starting in the summer of 2020, this organization called COVAX came out. 
And what COVAX was is it was a global initiative for countries to buy the vaccine through COVAX. And COVAX was going to supply them with the first vaccine that was ready. So instead of saying, okay, I'm putting all my eggs into the Pfizer basket and I'm only purchasing my country potential Pfizer vaccines, you would buy through COVAX and whatever vaccine was ready, COVAX would give you those vaccines. Now, the other great thing that COVAX was trying to do is um, it was trying to make this a bit more equal because what they could tell was happening right away is that the richer companies countries were paying a lot to get potential vaccines. And this was making it impossible for the poor countries to afford the vaccines. So places like Canada and the US and the EU were like, here, we don't care what the price is, we will pay you basically anything for this vaccine. But then third world countries who already don't have any money are that richer companies have or the richer countries have just raised the price of the vaccine. So it's Mm. not a fair game. So if you bought into COVAX, if Canada gave its money to COVAX, it would be guaranteed the vaccine that was ready, but it would also be helping pay for the vaccine with other poor countries. So this seemed like a really great plan. Like it seems like flawless on paper. Now, the problem was is that they didn't decide on COVAX until countries had already started putting offers out to these companies. So then COVAX said to a lot of these rich companies, countries, you can keep your deals with Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and all those companies, but also buy into COVAX. So a lot of countries did both, but that didn't really solve this money problem with the vaccine, right? Because the U.S. was paying Pfizer for the vaccine, but also paying into COVAX. That's really just, again, raised that price of the vaccine. Mm. So didn't really work out because they let these countries do both. Um, And Canada specifically paid into COVAX. That is what we had decided to do. Justin Trudeau made that decision. The Liberals made that decision. And they've been heavily criticized by both the NDP (laughs) and the Conservatives. It's hard to like, I don't know how you're supposed to make a right decision in a pandemic. but, (laughs) But that was the decision he made. And people are really upset about it. And a lot of people are blaming uh, COVAX on Canada's vaccine problem. Um, and that's because COVAX is prioritizing countries that may have a little bit more of a problem. So right now they're prioritizing India because India is in a state of crisis with the p- pandemic. So uh, Canada may not be getting as many doses as it would like because COVAX is sending it elsewhere mm-hmm. that it's So we needed. bought into COVAX and now we're, we're losing out in supply because of that. Basically. Yes. Uh, Canada actually had secured the world's largest number of potential COVID (laughs) vaccine doses per capita. Where are they? (laughs) They're not here. (laughs) They are, we, like, like I said, we secured them, but there was no, um, you know, way to know when those were going to happen. So that's kind of the, um, COVAX story. Now, What else happened during this time is each country was making its own deals with these companies, with Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca and all the other seven that haven't gone through. Um, But some countries 
we're paying way more than other countries were, like I was talking about earlier. But even if you're just comparing uh, the countries that um, are rich countries, there was a big discrepancy between how much each of them were paying for the vaccine. So one of the reasons why Israel was so successful is because they paid a really high price for the vaccine. They paid Pfizer specifically a lot for the vaccine, and they also sold all their country's healthcare data to Pfizer as a little cherry on top wow. bonus for all this so, vaccine. So they, play, they paid the highest rate you know, of like modern developed countries to Pfizer for the vaccine and then also supplied them with their citizens' health data. Yes, that's exactly and, right. And all of that straight to Pfizer or... That was, from what I read, it was mostly Pfizer. Okay. Israel has been successful mostly with, um, yeah, the mm-hmm. Pfizer vaccine. I was wondering just, you know, are they shopping that that data out to, like, everyone? Like, what are they doing here? Well, I think, ba- well, I it has it says specifically for Pfizer, so I'm not sure what their deals are with Moderna, or I, not, I don't even know if you're, they're using AstraZeneca in Israel. But that was specifically the deal they made with Pfizer. So again, this is really un, like unfair or smart of Israel, depending on which way you shake it, because Pfizer, since Israel paid such a high price and were willing to give all their data, gave the vaccines to Israel first. Or not necessarily even first, but they made sure they had filled those promises mm-hmm. completely. Whereas some of the other countries like Canada who bought into COVAX, they were like, oh, you can wait because there's less riding on this deal. But Pfizer wanted what Israel was going to give it. So, you know. Fascinating. Yes, it was really. I don't know. I was going to say it's like really like that's not capitalism at its finest, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, something. Anyways, so that is one of the reasons why Israel was so successful. It had so many vaccines right away. It was, um, it looks like it has the closest potential of reaching herd immunity. Um, And so they're saying herd immunity is about that 70 to 75% of your population vaccinated. And like I said at the beginning, Israel's looking at about 60% of its population is vaccinated. But you have to remember that 30% of its population was too young to be vaccinated. Um, But now the Pfizer has been, um, you know, approved for those 12 to 15 year olds. Right. Is that the age or was it 12 to 17? 12 12 something, that teenage range. Yeah. Those younger kids. So they're going to be able to get to that 75 percent. People are predicting really soon now that that has been approved for younger people. Mm -hmm. So that is um, kind of how that worked out for those countries. Now, something interesting I read is that the EU, they had decided at the beginning of the pandemic, they were not operating as a team. So when Italy in March of last year was having a really hard time with supplies, they didn't have enough um, PPE equipment and all that sort of stuff, none of the EU countries helped them out. They were all like, okay, no, you are under a complete crisis. We need to keep all our supplies for if when it comes to us, basically. And because that was such a disaster for the EU and they were so unwilling to help each other out, they decided they were going all in and negotiating together Hmm. for the vaccines. That's interesting. 
Yes. And basically what I read about their negotiations is they had um, someone negotiating for them that really didn't understand (laughs) this bribing system, basically. So they went to Pfizer. Pfizer was like, oh, yeah, that many vaccines cost this amount. And the EU was like, okay, here's exactly this amount. They didn't sweeten the deal with their <laughs> citizens' data? They did not even try. They weren't like, Come on, guys. okay, is anyone else paying more than that? Is there a guarantee? Is there anything? No. They were like, okay, $1 per dose. Here's $1. Basically, they did it straight across. So the EU... Um, realized afterwards when all these countries were being prioritized over them that they probably should have done a better job trying to get to the top of the line there. So kind of interesting. So that's why because they have also been criticized for their vaccine rollout and that's part of it. Now, like I said, the second part of this really has to do with how you get it out to people. And we've heard, and I think we talked about in our other vaccine podcast about how these need to be kept at a certain temperature. And, you know, once they're out of that temperature, they need to be used that day. So there has been news stories of, um, you know, vaccines getting wasted and thrown out because they weren't being used properly or used in time, I guess I should say. Okay, so another reason why Israel has been so successful is because they, almost everyone in their country wants to get the vaccine. So they have a very high rate of people willing to get the vaccine. They don't really have any anti-vaxxers. No anti-vaxxers over there? (laughs) No anti-vaxxers over there. And they say that the reason is, is because it is... um, Well, first of all, it's not a Western country, and that seems to be a little bit more of a Western phenomenon of this not trusting the government and not wanting to get the vaccine. But the other thing Israel did is they established a green pass. So that meant if you were fully vaccinated, you had a green pass that said you could attend concerts, you could go to restaurants, you could go to the gym, you could travel, you could go to Egypt, Greece, you could, you know you had benefits for getting the vaccine, basically. Which is interesting because, you know, we've heard many people here say, okay, yeah, like you you have the vaccine, so what? You're still (laughs) stuck at home. You're still not doing, yeah, you still can't go to restaurants. You can't do anything. So they gave people an incentive to get the vaccine. But then on top of that, they had a really high rate of people who wanted the vaccine as well. Um, Israel's healthcare system also mandated that all employees, doctors, nurses, administrators, and support staff receive the coronavirus vaccine. And if they refused, they would be transferred to jobs that do not involve <sighs> contact with high-risk patients. Well, interesting as well. Yeah. It's definitely a bit of um, authority involved. Yeah. So they chose to be pretty strict on and this vaccine rollout. In this case, it obviously has worked for them. Yeah. It's definitely one of their successes. And I know like some people would be upset if we did things like that maybe over here or if they did things like that in the U.S., but it is working. Now, I've noticed that in the U.S., they seem to be doing that a bit more where the CDC said you can you don't have to wear your mask outdoors anymore if you're fully vaccinated. So they're trying to give incentives, but none of the incentives are as big as Israel had. Um. 
So something that happened in the U.S. that was interesting for vaccine distribution is that Trump had originally decided that they were going to store all the second doses. So they, if they had six million vaccines, they were only putting that out at three million vaccines. They were keeping the other three million so that every person's second dose was already accounted for. Now, Biden changed that and he said, similar to what we're doing here in Canada, everyone get a first dose, we'll deal with the second doses when the second doses come around. Now, they're doing a lot better on their second doses, even though they've made that decision. Um, And something else interesting that happened in the U.S. is Biden had originally decided that he wanted to do 100 million uh, doses in his first 100 days. But Amazon offered to help with the de- oh. distribution. <laughs> well. <laughs> I know. So Biden then changed his 100 million in the first 100 days to 150 million. And now it's been changed to 200 million. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's you love when those cross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, just kind of interesting. So they are they're getting help with uh distributing their vaccine across the country. Uh, Something else that's a bit interesting that I forgot to mention with Canada is Canada had specifically decided to invest in European factories for the vaccine, uh, mostly because they were afraid of Trump. They did not trust... They didn't want to do any American deals? No. Because they assumed that Trump would um, issue maybe export bans and not give up their vaccines. So Hmm. Canada went specifically more with these European vaccines. Well, did that not also happen to us with China, though? (laughs) Basically. And we never, yeah, that that is exactly what happened. We never saw those vaccines. There are are bigger (laughs) risks, I guess, than Donald. There are bigger risks. But, well, and anyways, then he left. So it didn't really even matter. We, we were betting on him winning, I guess, and we went the safe route and went to the European factories. So, like, I don't know. If Donald Trump was the president, if he did win, maybe we'd be sitting here saying that that was such a smart move. <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say, like, how it really would have affected our rollout here, but yeah, a lot of factors at play. Yeah. So... That was, yeah, just another piece of the decision-making. So I guess, like, mostly what I thought was really interesting was these countries had to make a lot of fast decisions, you know, at a time where we had no idea who was going to make the vaccine. And basically just how they made those decisions, whether they got lucky or unlucky, paid the most for the vaccine or didn't, is kind of how this all shook down. Now, I didn't realize, you know, when we first started talking about vaccine that it was really going to come down to that. I kind of assumed something like COVAX was going to be, I don't know, distributing the vaccines properly. I didn't realize it was going to be such a race between each country. I don't know. Did you? Well, when you put things into like a third party who's supposed to be like distributing it to, you know, in need nations, it doesn't necessarily like, yeah, it's tough to say because the the developed countries wanted to secure their supply before they bought into COVAX to also help out those other countries. So like they were taking care of their own needs, putting their own oxygen mask on first. But even in doing that, it didn't work out with Canada. No, like we're still <laughs> towards the, the bottom of the queue. Yes. And that's okay. Like, I think for the most part, everyone is, you know, following public health orders and 
And like, yes, we can endure yeah. a one dose summer. Yeah. So like, I'm not complaining. There, there are certainly countries that are worse off, but it's it's super interesting to look into just the internet, like the international politics of it all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's very interesting. And I should also mention that the WHO has been uh, very critical of the way it's been done. Um, of the way COVAX has been done. Uh, no, of the way the vaccine rollout just has been done in general. Because, um, of course, as you can imagine, those poor countries that can't afford the vaccine are also more likely to be in, you know, a crisis with the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I was reading as well, you know, like this whole notion of social distancing, like that you you had to come from a place of privilege to even be able to social distance. So, you know, the countries in, like here in Canada, we can social distance. We can mostly work from home. We Yeah, our population yeah. density is as, as low as it goes. We're mostly okay, right? Like, yes, we want the vaccine. And yes, um, you know, that's really important to make sure that the Canadian citizens are healthy. But if you look at other countries, they're having a way harder time and they don't know when they're going to get the vaccine. Right. So the WHO, I just saw even this week, they're urging countries to not vaccinate their uh, youths, those 12 to 18 year olds, because they're saying don't use those vaccines right now. That's not the population that's in need. We need to be sending those vaccines elsewhere because really, I mean, they're saying that this, you know, this is a global problem. We need to be vaccinating everyone in order for this to stop if israel vaccinates its entire country okay that's fantastic but that's not really solving our mm-hmm. problem yeah, if they were really nice as soon as they hit herd immunity they would you know pass it on yeah pass it forward well and then another interesting thing i looked at i think i was telling you about this earlier is russia russia actually came out with the first vaccine i didn't even really hear about this when they came out but they came out with the first vaccine they named it spudnik Hmm. and um they have been doing almost the exact opposite they have been distributing their vaccine to other countries um very strategically and they have not been vaccinating their own citizens at the same rate Hmm. so they are choosing from what I read, smaller countries that would be heavily relying on Russia's vaccine. Like, that's their only hope. You know, Russia's giving them the vaccine, basically hoping for loyalty in return. Yeah, spreading those yes. tendrils across the land. That's exactly <laughs> right. So, and yeah, like I said, they're doing the exact opposite. So they weren't like, Russia first, we're vaccinating all our citizens first. No, that... We went <laughs> for influence doing... abroad. They went for influence. I know. So we'll see how that plays out for them versus, you know, everyone else that yeah, was well, hoarding we're them. Yeah, we have to check back in uh, towards the end of the summer on this for sure. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So that is all my information information on how this all, uh, you know, played out. Great. Well, thank you very much for sharing that, Caitlin. You're very welcome. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>